Trigger warning, the Resilience Project provides an open space for people to share their personal experiences. Some content in this podcast may include topics that you may find difficult. The listener's discretion is advised. Hello, friends. Welcome to Radical Resilience, a weekly show where I, Blair Kaplan Venables, have inspirational conversations with people who have survived life's most challenging times. We all have the ability to be resilient and bounce forward from a difficult experience. And these conversations prove just that. Get ready to dive into these life-changing moments while strengthening your resilience muscle and getting raw and real. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Resilience. It's me, Blair Kaplan Venables, and I'm here with you in your ears with a very special guest today. Her name is Brenda, and I just want to, before I like dive into like her bio, it's a really cool story about how I know her. So if you've been following along with me, you'll know that Lululemon is a huge part of my life. I worked for them. I started in 2005. And when I finished school, I moved to Edmonton to be like an internal PR person, community leader. And there I had one of the best managers I've ever had in any job, probably one of the best bosses. Like I have had another boss that I love, but best boss ever. And her name was Audrey. And uh, lo and behold, that was like 2007, which was not yesterday. And And so social media came to be and, you know, life moved on. And uh, anyways, Audrey and I stayed in touch. Um, And so the other day she said, you should connect with my sister, Brenda. She's doing something really special. You know, you guys should connect. And so earlier this week I connected with Brenda and I was like, oh my God, you need to come on our podcast. And she is just such a delight. So after 20 years of coming up against glass ceilings and engineering, Brenda Tackaberry branched out and started her own business, coaching, educating, and speaking about gender bias and all the ways we have been raised to believe it and how institutions and businesses uphold it. This is such an important conversation. And the conversation we had, I wish we recorded, but it was just a like, hey, let's chat, chat. So we're going to do it again today. So, you know, Brenda had her own experience, which led to this gender bias business starting. You know, she got sick of glass ceilings and constantly being undervalued and underestimated. And it is so relatable because I have been there too. So Brenda, welcome to the show. Oh gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to be here. I love this. You know, I I want, let's, let's talk about your, maybe before we talk about your story, like what is gender bias? Mm, Okay. So patriarchy is this big umbrella that covers everything we do. It was a system set up by men for men to succeed. Um, Underneath this umbrella, there's a small box for boys and men and a small box for girls and women. And patriarchy says all boys and men must fit into this box and all girls and women must fit into this box. And what, what it's doing is it's creating harm for people that don't necessarily wanna be in that box Um, And it limits it for women. It limits what's available to us in our lives. Um, For men, there's really deep psychological impacts. So I guess I will just start off by saying that gender bias impacts everyone. It's not just men versus women. It it is very much a struggle, um, but it's a struggle for everyone. It impacts adults. It impacts very small children starting from a young age. 
And it, it's an old cultural, old cultural norms. It's the way we've been doing things for a long time. And so the whole principle behind busting gender bias is to start to bring awareness to what it is and to start changing the way we act and behave. Wow. And it's, that's so important. And, you know, with you being an engineer, like that's a, I would say a male dominated industry and you know, I would love for you to share what you can about your story. Yeah, well, I guess I'll kind of take it way back. <laughs> I want to start by talking about when I was a little girl, I had the privilege of growing up in a family where nothing was unavailable to me. I was not confined to specific roles. Um, I was not told that I could or couldn't do things. So uh, I often played hockey with the boys on the street. Um, I you know, my dad said, what sport do you want to do? And I said, I want to play soccer. So my dad enrolled me in soccer. Um, I was one of three girls in the entire city that was playing soccer. I was playing soccer on a boys team with boys. I have no idea to this day what my dad did to, <laughs> to get me into soccer, but I just, I said, I wanted to play soccer and I showed up and I was playing soccer. Um, I often helped him with projects around the house. He showed me how to use power tools there was literally nothing that I couldn't do if, it, if I wanted to. Everything was available to me. So um, throughout high school, I was really good at math and science. I loved it. Um, I decided that I would go into engineering as part of like what I wanted to do for work because it was very math and science involved. When I got into engineering, there was a group wise women in science and engineering. And I kind of rolled my eyes at this. I was like, you know what, if you are good at your job and you're highly capable, you don't need a group for girls. You don't need special privileges. You don't need a shout out. You just need to do a good job, right? This is my belief because this has been my experience. What I found in engineering was that, you know, being, I think, 19% of the, uh, my engineering student body was female. And in mechanical engineering, it was even less. It was like 4%. So I did experience bias. That was kind of like my introduction to bias behavior in terms of we would get put into groups and I would be tasked with writing the report. People would say, we want the girl in our group, right? She's the, uh, the token female, I was called. And I was like, okay, this is just a bunch of nerds like who have no social skills from high school, like I'm going to let it slide, still didn't really think gender bias was a thing. Um, and then I got into the working world and I got my first job and I was asked to make coffee, <laughs> right? Like a fully educated, Ugh. decent GPA. I had someone, my cubicle was in the back of the office. I had someone go out of their way to come back to my cubicle to tell me that there was no coffee. And I was like, Oh my God. This How did you shit. respond? How did you respond? I was like, Oh no, I'm good. I don't actually drink coffee. <laughs> and they were like, um, well, actually I was just letting you know, uh, that, that we were out so you could make more. And I was like, you know what, if you don't know how to make coffee, I will show you one time. And then I, I made him follow me to the lunchroom and prompted him on how to <laughs> run the coffee machine, yes. which was, you know, kind yeah. of, a kind of a move on my part right but brilliant um, move because you know what that's how that yeah anyways that would that's yeah <laughs> yeah great. so my entry into engineering was not a smooth one I would say 
you know, when I did, I did have a lot of really great work experiences as well. I am highly capable. My customers always loved me. Uh, I'm really good at my job. I'm super smart. And I, my superpower in the role is taking really complex uh, concepts and breaking them down into simple, palatable, easy to understand concepts um, to communicate, right? Uh, and so some of, the, some of the challenges that I faced in the working world um, were, you know, I received comments, you are too bold, you're too direct, you're too bossy, um, you're too outspoken, your face looks very serious, and I find it intimidating. I was once told uh, that when I'm asked my opinion, I don't always have to provide it. I can say things like, I'm not sure, let me get back to you, I need to think on that. Because when I share my opinion, it comes across as direct. And to me, I was like, you literally hired me to provide my opinion. I am a technical expert, right? You hired me to do this and to be here. And so I will not be not sharing my opinion when asked. There was a lot of challenges around just respect in general, being cut off, being undervalued. And, and it was not a lot of allies, right? And, and what happened, Blair, was I was like, okay, I'm going through these challenges. There are other women watching me go through these challenges. So how I'm behaving and how I'm acting is impacting other women, whether they decide to rise in their careers, whether they decide to um, take on elevated roles, or whether they want to like stay in the profession, the average timeline for women in engineering is five to seven years. What? Mm-hmm. Like meaning it, like they were, they leave the industry. They leave the industry after five to seven years on average. Why? Well, I think that there's less opportunity for women. And I also think that there is an aspect of raising families. So there, there's a lot at play with that. Uh, APEGA, who's the governing body in Alberta, just did a five-year study on the barriers to women in the workplace. And I will just say that this statistic is incredibly shocking to me. 83% of men surveyed do not believe that gender plays a substantial role in how people are treated in the workplace, compared to 76% of women who believe it strongly plays a role in how people are treated in the workplace. And that is the gap that needs fixing. (laughs) So I guess to wrap my story up, my decision was that my skill set and my superpowers were better used in helping educate people on, on the challenges and how to fix them. Because at the end of the day, does it create harm for women and gender diverse people? Yes, 100%. But it also impacts team cultures, and it impacts a business's bottom line. So people don't know it, but they're actually losing money because of gender bias in the workplace. Yeah. Well, first of all, wow. Thank you so (laughs) much for sharing your story. I can't imagine what it's like to go to school for all those years for engineering, which seems extremely hard. Yes. And then having <laughs> such a short time in that industry 
and mainly and like with a big part of it being the gender bias like I can't imagine that but you know this path that you're on is important work because if you're not doing it who's advocating who is teaching and you know there's this thing where like you know you don't know what you don't know and some stuff is so built into society that we don't know it's gender bias Mm -hmm. and I think like you know, you know, when I said read your bio, you know, it's so rooted in certain things. Like maybe we should talk about some of those things that you see that like is happening that's gender bias that we don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a really good place to start actually is TV and film. Uh, the Gina Davis Institute did uh, a massive study on TV and film for small children. And what they found was that by the age of six, young girls were learning to self-sexualize, which means that we see ourselves through the eyes of men by the age of six. So what year is this? Like now? Like, yes, I think the study was done in like the early 2000s. Six is so young. That's bananas. It's it's heartbreaking is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so you in movies and television, you see less jobs available for women. So if you talk to little kids before they are six, uh, there's not a lot of difference in career aspirations. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a scientist. I want to be a doctor. I want to be, you know, whatever it is. And then after six, that substantially changes because of what young kids are seeing in TV and film. And um, a lot of these roles in these movies and TVs are, the majority of the characters speaking are male and the storyline revolves around the male characters. So they did a study on the percentage of dialogue that women have in movies that doesn't focus on men. And it is so small, it is wow. so alarmingly small. And this is, um, I mean, just, just the issue. I think only like 2% of directors are female. So again, all of the stuff that we are, modeling our behavior after and modeling how we perform our genders after are through the eyes of men which is like a systemic issue yeah so it's like there's so much work that has to get done like where do you begin where do we begin like Mm -hmm. what what can like I don't even know where to start like what can we do as women like I know what you were what you're saying about you know how you were asked to make coffee. Like I I shared with you offline that there's been situations where I've been in meetings and I'm the youngest one there and and a female and immediately Blair, you're gonna take the notes. It's like, no, I'm not. Like yeah. first of all, you're not asking me, you're telling me. Yeah, <laughs> I do not work well that way. But also <laughs> I've often I am the youngest one in the room and a female. So some of those tasks immediately fall to me. And you know, it's like having these conversations with it's the system, right? It's a systemic mm-hmm. problem. And like, it's like an old, like a, a, someone who is maybe double my age, you know, white male who thinks he's superior to me. And mm-hmm. I always call it out when it happens to me. And I like to educate and correct, but mm-hmm. like, what can we do? Like, what do we do if it happens to us as women or what do we do if we see it happening? So this is really challenging because another part of growing up as a young girl is that we are taught that we need to be polite. We need to be supportive. We need to not be inconvenient. Don't make waves, right? So it is ingrained in us from a very young age to be quiet and pleasant. And so a lot of women in general have a really hard time speaking up and speaking out 
and standing up for themselves. And I would say that the work here begins in women learning to refine their voice, right? It never went anywhere. It's always been there. Learning to find your voice and effectively set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because what that does is it's a call to action for people to respect you and treat you with respect. They're like, Blair respects herself because she is not taking notes because she's actively participating in this meeting instead. And they ultimately will respect you more. And I guess the one thing that I also have to say is unconscious bias. Like it can feel very like men versus women, you know, and, and it, it sometimes it definitely is, but I just want to like preface everything by saying that the biases are created because of what is modeled for us in our culture, right? It's what our parents modeled for us, what our parents' parents modeled for them. And so in the majority of cases, acts of asking a woman to take notes are non-malicious. They're just non-aware, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that that person is a bad person. He probably doesn't even recognize that he's participating in biased behavior. So the best point of action is not always to say like, Hey, Johnny, that's super biased behavior (laughs) because what happens is it causes people to shut down when they get defensive. Your listening efficacy goes from like 13 to 18% down to zero. So you're no longer able to receive information that's coming from that person. And until we can have the the conversation with regulated nervous systems and make it more normal and more approachable. Um, that's when we're really going to start to turn the tables. And that's my whole aim with busting gender bias is to make the conversation super normal, super safe for everyone involved and, and to make the conversation so comfortable that we're able to start having it, right? Having it with our spouses, having it with our children, having it with our coworkers, Mm -hmm. having it with our customers, right? And, and learning what the tools are in how to work around those. So you don't always have to call out gender bias. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you have your voice and you start using it and you say, I'm actually here to participate in the meeting, so I'm not available to take notes. Yeah. Uh, right. That's yeah. a really good workaround. Ooh, I like that. Hmm. Um, what are some of the, I guess, challenges in your work that you've come across? Because you went from experiencing it to becoming a, like an advocate and an educator on it. Hmm. you know, getting brought into corporate organizations or, you know, speaking, or you have your own podcast. Like what are some, some challenges you've come across when it comes to your work? I would say the biggest challenge is receptivity. Uh, We've all been through really bad bias training, right? Like raise your hand if you've sat through some really boring training on DEI. And so there's already this kind of preconception. Oh, here's another speaker come to talk to us about like gender equity in the workplace. But I kind of, you see a lot of body language where people are really closed off. And so my first job walking in is to one, um, create safety and to create interest, right? Because it actually benefits everybody, benefits men, it benefits women, it benefits workplaces, And so if we can get everyone like on board and it's low hanging fruit, right? We don't have to invest a lot of money. We're not developing a new product. We're not reinventing the wheel. We just have to learn and educate ourselves more about it so that we can see substantial improvements in our problem solving, our innovation, our margin creation and our business growth, right? So I make it a business conversation and just really make sure that everyone knows that it's not 
persecution, right? You're not being persecuted for being a, a, a white man, right? Yeah. So, cause like, so gender bias, like it's not malicious, right? It's most it's, of the time, most of the time. Okay. So give <laughs> us an example of something that would be like malicious versus non-malicious, right? Like where's that fine line for us out there experiencing it? Like, how do I, like, can you walk me through that? <laughs> yeah. So some types of gender bias that you might see in the workplace are assuming that a woman gets her job or her elevated role because of an inappropriate relationship with a male coworker or a male customer. I mean, that's kind of like borderline sexism, but that's automatically discrediting the woman for her skills and her attributes. Yeah. And it, and it is rampant and it happens. I just had a really great podcast episode with Alison Forsyth. She educated me and my community on the culture of harm that's created. So um, she, she experienced sexual abuse in sport, and now she does a really excellent job of educating and campaigning for safe sport. And what she taught me was the progression of harm. So if you imagine the uh, progression of harm as a triangle, and at the peak of the triangle is things like murder, um, dropping down a little bit, you have like sexual abuse and dropping down a little more, you have microaggressions and below that on the base of the triangle is attitudes and beliefs, mm. right? So that's where your gender bias sits. That's where your racism sits. And you can't build a culture where, um, sexual assault and sexual harassment is happening. If you have a positive culture of attitudes and beliefs, so it really does can progress into more severe forms of harm. Yeah, like this is such an important conversation. So, I mean, large organizations who maybe someone's listening to this and they work for a company and there's never been any like gender bias training. Like what, what's your message to those companies about like what they can do? Like, is it, do they build out a program? Do they have a consultant? Do they have you come in and talk? Like what can, what can we do to be better at this? Mm -hmm. The first step is a hundred percent education. And the second is accountability. So first you need to be educated on what gender bias is and how it's impacting your business mm -hmm. and your business culture and your bottom line. And then we need to talk about opportunities to improve that. So how are you going to improve it if you're not measuring it, right? Are you doing inclusion surveys where you're getting an understanding of how safe people feel to contribute in meetings, how safe people feel to come to work, how, how purpose-driven their work is, right? And then um, you have to look at things like hiring and promotion practices. Mm -hmm. Are the people that are hiring and promoted trained in gender diversity, right? Or gender bias. And really every company is different. So every company might need a different level of support, but there's certainly like a full audit that can go on within the company to mm -hmm. discover gaps and definitely implement accountability programs. So accountability means are we measuring it and are we holding our managers accountable to reaching our goals? Yeah. Right. So the tipping point for more powerful teams is having 30% gender equality. So on a management team of 10 people, having three women is where you start to see drastic improvements. And so it's, <laughs> it's not that hard. It's not, you know, it's not 50%, yeah. it's not 70%. It's actually only 30%. Right. So, so 
Okay. So one last, well, I have a couple more questions as we wrap mm-hmm. up, but I just, I, I, there's so much to dive into here and luckily your world is full of this. So people can f- connect with you and, and follow you on social media. What do I do if I'm experiencing this over and over again in an organization and I'm going to HR or management and no one's listening to me? What do I do? Well, first of all, my heart goes out to you because you are not alone. And I would say the experience can be very isolating. So the first thing that I want anyone to do who's experiencing any type of bias behavior or being held back because of their gender is to find an ally. So maybe that is your partner. Maybe that is your mom. Maybe that is a friend, right? Mm -hmm. In the workplace, I guarantee you if you're experiencing it, so are other people. If you're going to your manager or your manager's manager and they're they're not listening to you, they're not making changes if you go to HR and they're not helping you, that's a really challenging situation um, and it's happened. And I would say, always put yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of work with women on learning how to promote your skill sets and understanding what your worth is because the whole experience of bias behavior can erode your self-confidence, can erode your self-worth, right? Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of work on understand understanding what it is that you bring to the table and knowing that you don't have to stay in an environment where you're being treated that way because you do bring, you do bring a lot to the table. Right. Right. So yeah, like if we're going to circle back to like resiliency, there's a missing rung on the mentorship ladder. A lot of women in who are in industry who have made it to the top rungs, who've been doing it for a while their, their version of resiliency is, girl, you stick it out. You tough it out. This is what you have to go through to get the job, right? It might take you three times as long as a man to get to where you need to go. But my version of resiliency is quite different. And it is really stepping into your worth and rediscovering what that is and knowing that you don't need to tolerate or put up with that behavior and you can try the workarounds and you can try and change it but ultimately at the end of the day uh, you will succeed in other places and other places of businesses you don't need to tolerate that type of behavior if if it's unfixable yeah that's really important advice Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think that's great. You don't, you, you do not have to tolerate it. You don't have to suck it up. Yes. You, you don't, don't. Have to, yeah. You don't have to push through. Like we're gone are the days. Yes. We have you don't a voice. Have to endure. Yeah. yeah. Like we have a voice. I'm like you, I've been told like, you know, you don't have to be so loud or, you mm-hmm. know, I've even had, like, I've even like intimidated other women who yeah. have made these comments. Like I, I actually had a manager, once tell me like every time I spoke to her she's like you need to ask me may I speak first because I have (laughs) yeah and I was like is this a kitchen also did you tell her to go pound salt (laughs) I'll tell you what happened offline (laughs) yeah anyways um okay so what advice do you have for someone who is going through something similar to what you went through like what advice do you have for that woman who's listening who sees themselves in you Yeah, great question. I would just say to really take care of yourself. You are the most valuable relationship that you will ever have is the one that you have with yourself. And, um, you know, don't let any outside factors influence you believing in yourself because you are highly capable, you're highly intelligent, and you're highly valuable. And the world needs you. You're needed. 
So don't, don't stop. Don't give up, continue to be great. And definitely if you're, if you're experiencing oppressive bias behavior in the workplace, look for help. You need to talk to someone. You need to talk to a psychologist. You need to talk to friends. You need to look for resources. What you will find is everyone's experiencing it. Not a lot of people are talking about it. So it is hard to find, it can be hard to find really good resources, but I am that resource. My goal was to become that resource. So um, you can reach out to me and I will point you in the right direction and get you the help that you need because uh, women definitely need to succeed. We need more women succeeding and excelling and I'm here for it. So, yeah. Okay. So where, what's your Instagram handle? It's at busting gender bias and there's an underscore between each word. So busting underscore gender underscore bias. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. The links are, the links going to go in the show notes, your website's under construction, but yes. I'm sure the, you know, go to her Instagram when the website's ready, she'll direct you there, but she's a wealth of information. She has a podcast. What's it called? The podcast is called busting gender bias. Well, and yeah, I know I love you can it. find you can find us on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, anywhere you're listening to podcasts. And I am learning so much from having experts on the podcast as well. So it's a really great resource to find other resources also. Yes. Well, you know, we're on this constant learning journey and I learned mm-hmm. a lot even today. And I think you're doing such important, actually, I know you're doing such important work. And so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience with me and with um, the Global Resilience Projects community. I, I really appreciate you. So thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you. And thank you so much for having me and giving me an opportunity and a platform to talk about something that I'm deeply passionate about. And I love the work that you're doing with the Global Resiliency Project because we see ourselves in other people and and it's mirrored, right? And so mm-hmm. when we see other people working through things and being resilient, it is inspiring and it's what the world needs. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thanks, Brenda. Yeah, and thank you for everyone who tuned in to another episode. We do this every week, every Friday, a new episode drops. We land in your ears. We share inspirational stories and ways to be more resilient. Just know it's okay to not be okay. Life is full of ups and downs. Let us be the lighthouse in the storm or the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, when it's hard, it's hard, but you're going to get through it. You are resilient. Thank you. That's a wrap for another episode of Radical Resilience. Do you feel inspired by this episode? You can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player and connect with us to join the conversation at IamResilient.info. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. And you, my friend, are resilient. Radical Resilience is a podcast created by The Resilience Project.